0: How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good. Good. Welcome.
1: Hi, I'm Nino. Nice well, to meet all of you.
0: Welcome to the commie Hellhole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah. So it's what Sharon is that wine? with us tonight. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I got it's it's very weird. It's called Girl and Dragon. <laughs> I literally just thought <laughs> that, really good. I just thought it looked dope as fuck, but it's so sweet. And I think a Pinot mm. Grigio should not be sweet. Are you drinking yeah. that out of the bottle? I'm, yeah, of I'm proud course. of you if you are. Thank you. Yeah. Obviously. That's what he always does. Yeah. Is there another way?
3: <laughs> no, other ways are bourgeois. You shouldn't do it.
0: <laughs> the
1: proletariat <laughs>
3: drink out of the fucking bottle.
1: Wait, let me get my wine bottle too. I actually have one.
3: <laughs> there we go. We're doing anarcho-capitalism tonight, right? I that's, guess
1: I'm drinking white too.
0: Nice, nice.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> out of a <the> bottle.
0: <laughs> I think- As is tradition. Yeah, I think tonight we are just basically shitting on ANCAPs is the primary Good. objective.
2: I mean, and if you can shit on Libertarians, this is adjacent. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you guys looked at the paste bin, but most of what I have is actually about Libertarians. Oh, cool. I mean, I don't think ANCAPs are a big enough group to really spend that much time on. I agree. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just lumping Libertarians and ANCAPs together, at least for tonight's purposes. So
3: They would hate that, so I support it. <laughs>
2: Nina, what wine do you have?
1: Um, good question. Para Alta. Oh, Garnacha Blanco. Is is that a thing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> are, I'm assuming whatever it's a says,
1: thing. Yeah.
0: Mine's a nice uh, 2018 vintage. <laughs> mm.
2: I have uh, Pepperwood Grove Pinot Noir.
0: Okay. Okay. It's like eight dollars nice. a
2: bottle, but it's like really good. Yeah. I like it. I should have just drank it out of the bottle if I'd known you guys were both going to do that. that <laughs> right. and then in a cup.
1: I just followed Sterling's suit.
2: <laughs> not usually the smartest uh decision, but <laughs> I
3: don't know. Ward Ward is the one that gets on he just gets like twisted towards the end of these. <laughs> yeah. And he starts going on this rant And I'm like, all right, buddy, come on.
2: <laughs> it's all good though. He's entertaining.
0: Ethan's eventually gonna connect.
1: Yeah, he's, he's trying he's trying really hard. <laughs> he's been texting me.
0: <laughs> I don't know for a second. It's not working. Uh how do you guys typically record your podcast?
1: Um, we do Zoom meetings.
0: Ah, I got
1: you. Yeah,
0: you have to mm-hmm. pay for it to get past like that forty-minute shit.
1: Um, yeah, I I'm lucky because I have licensed Zoom just through okay. my work. Yeah, and I kind of just use it for everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if
2: yeah, I got. It. I mean, Discord to work. Uh, Jaron and Sterling, do you guys have Zoom? I, I mean I, I I definitely have Zoom,
0: but we're gonna have that same forty minute um issue unless of course need i could
1: is, I could so. use my okay. oh of course, yeah, no worries
0: yeah i've I've got no issue running Zoom on my end if we we may ultimately even want to switch over and just pay for a license account. Because I sure know that some of our guests that have had some pretty hard times with Discord getting in that have no idea how to use Discord. I -hmm. guarantee you sending people a Zoom invite makes it way easier for guests.
2: It probably seems a little more professional, too, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. I can probably give you guys access mm. to my no, Zoom that, that, if you that's, need.
0: That's really nice, but we, we can... Listen, we have three <laughs> Patreons. We're good.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Let me make sure I'm getting the recording. Somebody say something.
0: Yeah. Hello, the, Mike. For cool. the feds listening, I'm going to go ahead and pronounce Mike's social security number. <laughs> I don't know why I
2: gave that to you. I, was really I, feel
0: like already, I
4: feel like that's the one thing that they would like already have. Yeah. <laughs> We're
1: all drinking wine, Ethan.
4: Uh, Some of I'm, us out
1: of a bottle.
4: I'm a teetotaler now. Mm. So, sorry. Well, wow. That has be so- got Mexican okay. beer all the time. Um okay, so before we begin, so you guys already did an episode on anarchism versus like off. Leptism, right? Yeah. Um, so can like did you come up with a definition of like anarchism that you can give us before we start since we're gonna be kind of like
3: talking about that?
2: Yeah, you want to cover that, Jaron?
3: Yeah, I mean it depends on which philosopher you go with, but if I had to summarize it, I would Dumbledore. say that it's, it's, I mean Dumbledore was based as fuck, bro. <laughs> Died on the cross. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's still very much like oriented around like workers rights and um redist- redistribution of wealth but it's more so with syndicalism and regional in nature rather than like an entire swath of territory like say the USSR mm-hmm. it would be focused more on like the Ukraine liberating those workers and having it spread that way and then in my opinion there's also a heavier influence on uh individualism and um identity politics in particular. And there's pros and cons to that, because um, you know, we had a whole episode on it, but suffice to say, I think that unifying people in the West, for me personally, anarchism would work better, but I'm biased. And then at the same time, I don't think the USSR could have like fought Nazi Germany if it weren't full on fucking off left. So yeah. fair enough. <laughs> Alright, cool. Nice eyebrow raise there, Sterling. Hey,
0: you like that? You like
3: that?
0: <laughs> yes, they they do a great job at fighting with, without using authority. <laughs> hey, man, you know. Y'all better fucking back up dog
3: i'm just saying <laughs> yeah. so, somebody has to put sugar in the uh the cops gas tanks and it, uh, it's yeah. usually
0: you know, <laughs> not an organization yeah yeah and mm-hmm. on the last episode i think one of the biggest revelations we came to was the fact that there's really not as much of a difference between the auth left and the lib left you know anarchist and authoritarian mm-hmm. it's really kind of the path but we both desire to get to that communist utopia where even the most Mm -hmm. off left of us would love to see one day the dismantling of authority. That Mm -hmm. is the goal we all share. But some of us kind of think we need to hold on to that authority for a little bit until capitalism truly is gone.
1: Yeah. I feel like sometimes there's misconceptions around anarchism where People equate authority to organization, like to just org- being organized. Um, so you can have, I-, I think, under anarchism, like schools and teachers, and like blah blah, and like different kind of organizations or groups of people doing things. I don't think it has to be like individual people doing things. It's just that a, I think, unjust hierarchies are unwarranted, and b, it's like you can, I guess say someone is like better at you and and trust their power but that doesn't mean they have like authority over you in the in the sense that like they have like power over you physically or economically to like force you to do things but that doesn't mean people can't organize i don't know but it is harder without like a leader you know when everyone's making decisions as a group but that doesn't always have to be the model under anarchism like if people decide to give one person power like supreme power of decision-making that's that's still fine (laughs) because that was like a group just i don't know
3: (laughs) no i mean that's that's on point i mean there have even been anarchist armies and i Mm -hmm. think that speaks for itself um not to go down the Nestor machno road again we already did that but (laughs) i feel like nino correct me if i'm wrong
4: but just like as as we've been friends and definitely since we've been doing this podcast I feel like you've become more like lip left and I've become more off left than we we used to be. Is that (laughs) true?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah,
4: I I feel like we were both, we both kind of began in the same place and I've been moving more toward like, I should like read some more Mal and like news (laughs) moving the other way a little bit. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know like what the right steps are. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you need like, a state as a stepping stone towards that like dream utopia
2: just on the uh the episode that we did about this the one thing that i said that i thought was i mean at least my best part in the episode was when i explained i used to have the the stereotypical impression of anarchists as like you know a utopian kind of philosophy that's not very realistic because it will just be steamrolled by capitalists but if it's not willing to use authority but then exactly yeah i was trying to avoid it but you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then jaron over the course of the few months that we've been doing this together has opened my eyes to it a lot and explained it better and explained it as a philosophy of constantly criticizing authority and power and so that even if you do get a communist state you should still rightfully criticize anyone who's in power and that can apply Mm -hmm. to any type of organization whatsoever and i think that's my understanding of it now it's just a, a school of thought rather than like a state of being that can yep. reasonably be achieved by people in the real world so
0: yeah i mean things we should all strive
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah but that
3: being said anarcho-capitalists can go fuck themselves <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
0: so can ultras <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right let me knock so, out the intro and then we can uh, we can get into it proper
1: all right, all right sounds good all right.
3: God, those communists are amazing.
2: So welcome back to the Throne Podcast, everyone. I'm Mike, he, him. And tonight I'm here with Jaron and Sterling, also he, him. And our special guest tonight, we have Nino and Ethan from the Left Shelf Podcast. Nino, your pronouns are she, her?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ethan, right.
2: you're he, him? Yeah. Cool. Well, welcome aboard, you guys. How are you doing? Good. good. Thanks good. for happy having Happy to guys. be here. Yeah. Glad to have you guys. I had a lot of fun on your podcast, so I was happy to uh, host you guys here as well. It should be a good time. And so tonight, we're going to shoot on caps. That's what we are doing tonight. <laughs> the topic for the night is why anarcho-capitalists are not anarchists. I mean, it should suffice to say that anybody who supports capitalism is supporting a structure of hierarchy, just flat out. That's mm-hmm. the simplest way to say it. That could probably end the episode right there. <laughs> but I feel like we should just, you know, explain a little bit about anarcho-capitalism, its roots. Um, and we're going to tie in libertarians with that as well, because they're basically the same thing. I would say just anarcho-capitalists are probably the more extreme version of libertarians. But it's the same school of thought at its root, as much as it may anger them to be lumped in together. But we're fine with that as well. So. Good. Yeah. So, Jaron, did you have anything? that you wanted to start off with? Because I know the whole reason they even had this as an idea was because you said last week on our Anarchism versus Authoritarianism episode that Anarcho-capitalists are just dumb. <laughs> and <this is> like, <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense as a as a school of thought. Um, I do have some things that I can start us off with. But did you have anything? Did you wanted to open up out of the gate with?
3: I'll probably play off of a lot of what you guys have to say. I guess just going into it first off is it's really important to view capitalism through the lens that it is an extension of feudalism and it came Mm -hmm. out of feudalism and feudalism is about, you know, probably one of the most hierarchical things you could possibly be a part of. Mm -hmm. So even with the French Revolution and all the important things that came with it, we still maintained this feudalistic kind of nature in capitalism. So therefore it is incompatible with something that is critical of authority.
2: Yeah, very well put. Um, Our guest, would you like to add anything to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I've been kind
4: of doing my own like research about this, these ideas, and it feels as though anarcho-capitalists are angry that capitalism is kind of returning to like feudalism in a lot of ways, (laughs) Um, that there was only so many countries to conquer. (laughs) Um, And now that that's kind of over, Capitalism kind of has to return to what it once was. Um, and I think that ANCAPs don't like that, but if they really didn't like that, they should be like on the <laughs> left <laughs> and they're not. So, yeah, I, I think in that way, I would agree. ANCAPs are like kind of dumb.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good observation. Like once imperialism has reached the end state of taking over the entire world, then yeah, where do you really go from there other than just squeeze the working classes even more and return to the neo-feudalist state? Did you have something, you know?
1: Yeah. I was kind of going to add on what Jaren said, I think when, Anarcho-capitalists talk about like why they have like anarcho in their name. They're like, oh, anarcho means like no rulers, but that doesn't mean no hierarchies. We just don't want rulers. Um, But I think just like Jaron said, I mean, that's totally a contradiction because if there are hierarchies, how can there not be rulers? Like what is a ruler if not someone who has some sort of power over you, which is inherently created through a hierarchy? And they pretend that there are hierarchies, but none of them are coercive. Like all of the interactions between people will be voluntary, and it'll mainly be through contracts. Yeah. But how can that be if under a capitalist framework you always have someone with like more money or resources or capital? Yeah, <laughs> um, K- yay, capitalism. Yeah. Um, how can an agreement ever be voluntary or like fully non-coercive between people if there is this type of difference in power dynamics (laughs) through hierarchies. So it is like very contradictory to have capitalism as kind of like the foundational belief of your system, but also say that it is devoid of like any coercion. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, You you could say it's a completely contradictory philosophy that doesn't make any fucking sense in practice (laughs) whatsoever. And nobody should actually exist as an anarcho-capitalist for more than five minutes if you just think about how capitalism actually works in practice and realize that you're just supporting a hierarchy of whoever has the most money. But of course, that is too much to be expected of capitalists. <laughs> Go ahead, Sterling.
0: I think that's currently exactly the world we live in. Like, I think like everyone yeah. talks <laughs> about the U.S. being, you know, off the right. But the truth is, I really think it's off the left. I think it's in that libertarian, in that anarcho-capitalist, because the I mean, right, right, is, right. Or, Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I wish it was all that. I'd be much happier. (laughs) I've had had two sips of wine. Give me a break. (laughs) But, I mean, my thing is, like, we already have a government that's subservient to the ruling class. We already have a government that does the bidding of the masters of the actual economy. Your JP Morgan's, you know, all your big bankers, all your big monopolies, your Bezos, your Walmart, all of those corporations really make the rules and the government acts as you know, goes there and makes policy to reflect that. So to me, we don't really have a country ruled by a government. We basically have what these libertarians and anarcho-capitalists pretend like they're dreaming about. And that's why when I get in an argument with them, they're like, oh, just think about how much better it would be in a libertarian uh, country where the government wasn't in control. And I'm like, you know, that's what we have, dog. Like the government's not in control. Like it's no, they're all, just
2: pissed that they're not the rich guys already.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're you're just not the one in control. That's what you're mad at. And you think if we flip the table upside down, you might get lucky and end up with some slaves. And that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> like they legitimately think if we oh, just shit. had no rules, we could enslave people of color again. And it really does all circle back to race. And I get in arguments with Republicans and libertarians about this all the time. And I'm like, the truth is everything you're describing is just a really complex way of saying, I'd really like to go back and be able to own slaves.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think it's important. And that's like a point that was just brought up is that we can all agree that like, and caps are dumb. They're yeah. also winning. Yes. <laughs> they want, yes. um, like the, the world that Crushing they want it. is like the one that's, I mean, I think that the kind of ANCAP cap dream is a lot closer than, like, communism in the West. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, if we're not already there. And, um, yeah, and I, but but I think that the only reason that we do live in a kind of ANCAP world right now is, like, our government looks outward and not inward for the most part. That, like, ANCAPs don't want a, like, powerful government in the middle, but you kind of need one to take things from the West, from, like, the rest of the world and put them here. And that's, like, the only reason why we're able to kind of leave everyone here for the, what's the, uh, like, up to dry? Is that the truth? I don't know. But the only reason that we don't have a government that helps people inwards is because it's so interested in, in imperialism outwards. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, so in that way, I think that, yeah, ANCAPs are, like, winning, but it's kind of bitter because it's not what they want, but what they want isn't particularly possible.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I do have somewhere here in my notes that, and I'll get into it in a bit, but something that I remember writing is that anarcho-capitalists and libertarians seem to realize on some level, even if it's like a subconscious or gut level, that government only exists to protect property rights. And that its entire purpose is to uphold capitalism and protect the wealthy from the working classes who would seek to take that property by force if they could. And so they realize that and they do support government on a lot of levels. And we will get into Anarcho capitalists and libertarians who claim to want small government, but seem to always align with the police and military for some reason. It's such a strange coincidence, you know? But um, so just starting off, I want to read this thing that I took from a podcast that I really like called Philosophize This. And this was uh, episode 138 of that podcast about Robert Nozick. And this is something that I keep in my notes on my phone all the time for any time I encounter some kind of ANCAP in the wild on the internet. And I usually just paste this because it's a very simple, very easy to understand and quick explanation of. What I titled it in my notes was why libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism are juvenile utopian fantasies. So He goes, one thing we can all agree on, no one wants to be harmed against their will. So when you consider the hostile, dangerous environment of the state of nature and how human beings would behave in that scenario, what would naturally emerge are private services to provide people protection from other people that want to hurt them. At the most basic level, you pay a fee and then you have your own personal security guard whose job it is to make sure that nobody tries to hurt you or your family or take any of your property. But feasibly, not everyone can have their own private security guard. So these guards would have to take on multiple clients, probably people within a close proximity to each other. But then another problem arises. The whole thing becomes a convoluted mess when you have hundreds or thousands of competing security guard factions all trying to enforce the rules of the people who happen to be paying for them. There's no codified set of rules that all the security guards are enforcing. It's going to be a nightmare for all these guards to have to figure out in real time who's a client of theirs versus who isn't which set of rules they're enforcing today versus tomorrow, which rules correspond with which client. What happens when there's a conflict between what two different clients want? Not to mention what's going to happen when, to settle a dispute, one person's security guard has to fight another person's security guard. Well, one of them is going to win, and then everyone from the losing security guard's detail is going to want to be protected by the other security guard now. This may seem like a ridiculous hypothetical scenario, but the point is that what naturally emerges from the state of nature is a local monopoly over the protection services of a region. Another way to say this is that what naturally emerges is a very basic kind of state that allows people to pay a fee in exchange for basic protection and the enforcement of contracts. All right. So everybody's got their hands up. Let's go with, uh, we'll just go from top to bottom. Let me go with you first, Jaren.
3: Okay. Two things. A, this proves the point that we already have this. Like let's look at Syria as an example where the army is fighting forces that were funded by the CIA and state department. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we already have infighting that are coming from the same sources of more or less the same sources of capital, different people hiring different people to fight each other. They're both from the U.S. and they're both fucking each other up. So this Mm -hmm. is already manifested. The other thing that I'll point out here is I feel like ANCAPs and libertarians have this assumption and just right wingers in general that the state of nature, i.e., you know, the, the visceral bloody carnage that we see in the African savannah is the same thing that human beings have. And that's a big break for me with them and other anarchists and leftists is Marx says that there is no intrinsic human nature and it depends on material conditions. Mm -hmm. Anarchists tend to say that the state of nature for human beings is actually pretty peaceful if material conditions are met. So like already there's a massive ideological chasm there between these idiots and literally anyone (laughs) on the left.
2: Would you have Nino?
1: Uh, yeah, I had a lot of things, um,
2: (laughs) take your time. We're not in any rush.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think, yeah, like kind of Jaren was saying the two kind of tenets of anarcho-capitalism. One is private property. Everything is private property, like you own yourself. Um, So if you wanted to, you could also sell yourself, which is why slavery is totally uh, compatible with the system. And the second thing is this thing called non-aggression principle. So you're prohibited against using force of any kind. Mm -hmm. And what and caps call this like the kindergarten rule, like don't hit, don't steal. <laughs> and they literally call this the natural law of the universe of the world. Like this is the natural law. And it doesn't make sense why this would be the natural law. Like why to them is this the most absolute and pure truth? Because to me, and I think to most people, morality is like a relative thing. It's not true that you shouldn't always not hit and you shouldn't always not steal, right? If like you're trying to defend someone who's being like burglar, you should hit them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or if you're starving and you need food and someone is literally throwing away (laughs) tons of food, you should steal. But to them, they have this like weird natural law. So I don't know. And you also mentioned mike that this was like a juvenile utopia but to Mm -hmm. me this does not like the natural conclusion of anarcho-capitalism does not sound like a utopia it sounds like (laughs) i mean it is this is warlords but yeah exactly it's warlords it sounds so ridiculous yeah just
2: to interject real quick i will say because what i would like to do tonight is not straw man them i'm going to steal a term from sam harris of all people but steel man Uh, Which is where, rather than taking the weakest version of your opponent's argument, you take the strongest version of it. And I think we can definitely do that with anarcho capitalist because their argument is so dumb to begin with. We could take the absolute best parts of it and still demolish them pretty easily because, again, it's just a completely contradictory point of view that makes no sense. So I think, as far as the non aggression principle goes, we don't want to make it seem like the non aggression principle means that you can't hurt anyone ever. In their mind, it is that you can only hurt someone when you are justified in doing it. So if they're stealing your property, if they're attacking you first, And I remember hearing this about like John Locke. His philosophy was that when someone becomes an aggressor, they are no longer a man. They've made himself a beast. Like they're no longer a human. And that was, I guess, the distinction that he made, at least, you know, how it was explained to me in philosophy 101 back in college. But it was basically that if you exist in the state of nature and you have your property and they have their property, as soon as they take it from you, Then you have every right to treat them as you would an animal. And so that leads to this really interesting territory that I think a lot of anarcho capitalists actually agree, which is that if someone steals your property or even attempts to, you have every right to kill them. And so you get already to this like huge jump. Like this, that's a, you know, as they say online, that escalated pretty quickly. Like it it doesn't really need to go that far that fast, but it does. And that's at its core why you see ANCAPs and libertarians defending the police shooting people for just suspecting that they may have a weapon or they may have a gun or they broke a Starbucks window or whatever it is. Like, you know, that's why they oppose protesters, even though you would think that they should be backing people who are protesting government overreach or protesting police, killing unarmed people. You would think that that lines up with ANCAP and libertarian beliefs, but it doesn't because, well, for two reasons. One, they're just racist and two, their philosophy is not coherent. So, um, Ethan, I saw you had something.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, so I think also to be fair to AnCaps to um, give them the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> because <laughs> I I don't I don't necessarily I think that when push comes to shove they are like pro police state, but I think that their ideology is at least aesthetically like anti police. Like if you've been on the anarcho capitalist sub Reddit, which I don't really like recommend for anyone. I've Awful. been on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, no, it's it sucks. Um, they're kind of light on like philosophy, but they're like very heavy on these kind of like catchy terms. And a lot of the things that they talk about are like, not liking cops. Um, I think that they don't particularly care for cops because again, because they view like the person as the kind of like property monad. Mm -hmm. And so to have your self either imprisoned or killed, um, is like a violation of that. So I don't know. I don't think that they're they're always pro-police state. But again, I, I agree. I think that if it came to it, because like most of them are white, um, I think that like their kind of racist tendencies would trump. And yeah. I think that they would kind of endorse a governmental force if it meant that like they could become top dogs. But I think that as of right now, most of them are at least like somewhat anti-police.
2: Yeah, I want to go with Sterling, but real quick, I'll clarify that when I say that they are pro-police and pro-military, I mean, in the sense that they would choose them over leftists or communists or anybody that they see as their ideological enemies. So they are perfectly fine with the state and the state using force and you know violating the non-aggression principle, as long as they think that it's justified because you just espouse a tendency of ideology that would seek to remove their property from them, as they, as they see it, at least.
0: Yeah, I think it really comes down to that they, in their core, they are kind of anti-state, they are kind of anti-police, but at the same time, even, like, Republicans, even anyone on the right who pretends, like, white privilege isn't a thing, they do know that police give more leniency to white people than they do people of color, and they do know that things escalate way worse in a leftist or, a you know, even a people of color rally than they do white people i mean just look at what happened at the fucking Capitol this year they know that the police do typically side with what they want which is i mean it really just comes down to white supremacy
2: i want to go with you jaron but i just want to say real quick i think it's telling that you know if you just look up any pictures of the unite the right rally in charlottesville you will see guys with gadsden flags standing right next to guys with nazi flags standing right next to guys with confederate flags and it's Pretty evident that they will align with each other and anarcho-capitalists and anti-statists, whatever they want to call themselves, will align with fascists far sooner than they will align with leftists, communists, anybody who actually protests the government here. Did you yeah, have something yeah, quick? Really soon?
0: quick. Uh, I think you touched on something very important. I think a lot of the reason a lot of these people call themselves anarcho-capitalists is the same reason the Nazis called themselves national socialists. They, ju- mm-hmm. I, th- I think, a Love lot it. of it is they think it's a way to <laughs> buy people into their side. They think it's a way to make it sound like they're safer than they really are, because they really are not anarcho-capitalists.
2: Yeah. Would you have Jaron?
3: Uh, I just wanted to clarify for some listeners, like why just the idolatry of capital is inherently racist, because we've said it several times, but we haven't detailed why. And it, again, this comes down to the time and place of when capitalism emerged coming out of these monarchies, these feudal societies, and their uh, colonialism. Colonialism was prevalent at the time that capitalism rose. And you can even see this in the United States. I actually just did some research on this the other day. So the entire budget for the US federal government last year was $4.79 trillion, right? If, and this is according to the Berkeley Economic Review, If we decided to tally up how much American slavery was worth for 200 years, it could be anywhere between 14 and 97 trillion dollars. And I know that's a wide metric, but they weren't exactly keeping good track. (laughs) Um, But the point is. Is yes, this system is based inherently off of racism and the subjugation of the third world. So even if you think that, like, you know, the invisible hand of the market is just gonna put the best people in the best places and the best companies in the best places, you're still at a starting point where everyone who is not white is less than you. You're not all starting from zero. So there's literally no way this could be equitable.
2: I will say the scary part about the prospect of anarcho capitalism in our lifetimes you know again i agree that we are already pretty close to it as at least much closer than we are to communism for sure but the scary part is that i could imagine a future in which we have the neo-feudalism but instead of being rooted in just blatant racism where you only have people of color who are the obvious oppressed underclass where it could just be based purely on economic status and then you could have a diverse class of Oppressors ruling over a diverse class of oppressed people, and it could absolutely happen. And I mean, that's actually, I think, closer to what the U.S. is uh, in practice, because that's you know where both neoliberalism comes in, but also the right wing, like the uh, the avowed right wing in this country, is that you have people who say, "Oh, well, I'm not racist. I, I, you know, I value everybody," but it's like they will still pay a lot of deference to them as long as they're wealthy, as long as they're part of the privileged class. But I do want to also mention that at some point we are going to have to do an episode on how capitalism requires free labor to operate because it always has and it always will. And it's a straight line from the feudal serfs to colonial slaves to women and children, uh, even child labor during like the beginning days of the industrial revolution and everything. And then right up to even the modern era where it's now people who are like interns and then still women in the household. And, you know, I think that's a huge reason why people are so disillusioned nowadays, and I see it said a lot, is that the lifestyle that you're told you should be leading, where you have like a household and also a full-time job, and you also can like't know have a personal life and go to the gym or whatever other things you're supposed to do. Is it depends on having somebody in the house who is not working and taking care of the kids or doing whatever um, labor is required to to keep that up without being paid for it because if you actually had to pay someone to take care of your kids and pay someone to take care of your house and everything, that's why so many millennials are so upset about the price of childcare. And everything. it costs like more than they can possibly make okay you know sorry
1: uh no, you're good. um just to kind of follow up on both what you and Jaren said. I think another big talking point that I hear anarcho capitalists kind of hit is native americans and colonialism and they always kind of justify the takeover and genocide of native american people like through these like capitalistic or through this like western way like and it and it kind of comes from like the Objectivist movement, um, led by Ayn Rand, but basically, I have a whole
2: section on that that I'm going to do. So as soon as you're done with this, I will get to it.
1: Okay, yeah. Basically, um, one of the justifications I heard for like why it was justified to steal all the land from Native people and completely kill them is because they didn't have the same conception of property and self ownership that like. England had and so therefore they didn't own themselves so it was totally fine (laughs) to kill them because they just like didn't have the same set of laws and I'm like holy shit that's insane but even on top of that they just talk about how like oh the Native Americans broke the war contract and so then because they broke their war contract or whatever which they didn't it's completely historically inaccurate but because of that it was totally fine to just like murder them and like rape them and pillage them and everything so I mean yeah it's definitely rooted in a lot of racism and a lot of justifications for why colonialism is okay and the enslavement of people is okay and i mean just to follow up on what you said mike another talking point of anarcho-capitalists is how like your children are also your property Mm -hmm. so parents are you're not required to feed your children that's totally fine Um, that's not considered murder because like they're your property and if you don't want to do anything for them you don't have to and if there's someone who's charitable enough to help your children then like let them but you (laughs) you can just do like whatever you will um and so it's exactly what you said Where like capitalism kind of like relies on free labor and they won't have any of that yeah
2: I'm pretty sure when we were trying to remember last week who the philosopher was that said child labor was a cool thing, I think that was Murray Rothbard. And I think um mm. I was encountering that in my <laughs> research for the notes today. <laughs> that yeah. would you add, something?
0: Yeah, just real quick on the child labor thing. I, I just I love it when people bring this up because it's like at one point in our life we've been told that China has child labor fucking sweatshops. Yet, if you walk into any little country store down here in the south where I live, I guarantee you, you can find a fucking 12 year old sitting at a register running that Mm -hmm. motherfucker for his mom or for his fucking aunt for completely free. And it's like when we go into another country and we see something like that, we take photos, we put it in the news and we pretend like it's this huge fucking humanitarian crisis. But it's the same shit we do all the time. Like, no one's really out there trying to fucking hire 12-year-olds to fill up a factory. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, They'd have terrible work ethics.
2: (laughs) Your kids suck, man. (laughs) At working, at least. Ethan, did you have something? Yeah.
0: I mean,
4: I think that it's unfortunate because, like, all the things that Nino has kind of mentioned that are maybe not core tenets, but are definitely parts of the, like, ANCAP ideology. It's interesting how and this hasn't just happened recently, this has been going on for a while, but everyone's becoming like jokerified now, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, um, and like <laughs> celebrating the worst qualities in each other and themselves. And it does really seem like a kind of like hedonistic ideology that like there's this acknowledgement that while like people may have good qualities, they won't act on them ever, which seems wrong to me, but that's kind of what they believe and like if only we accept that humans are inherently evil then we can like make a good world out of it which i think is another kind of core contradiction of that ideology is there's this idea that we can build a utopia out of like the most evil parts of us um which just like makes out it just it just seems so Childish in that way. Well, no, I mean, you're absolutely
2: right because they will, on the one hand, acknowledge that people are inherently greedy and selfish and will screw each other over given the chance. But they won't acknowledge A, that that is because they're incentivized by the economic and political system that we live in to be that way. And B, they will think that you could somehow incentivize that out of people with that same system. Like they don't, I don't understand where the connection is thinking that you could make people behave better just by incentivizing them through profit, which incentivizes them to do that to begin with. It's not some kind of you know, it's like why when you counter when you encounter any kind of right winger who loves capitalism so much and you ask them why people are screwing each other over, why there's so much wealth concentrated at the top, why it's so hard for them, even in their own station as a working class person, they have to rely on some kind of weird, like esoteric qualities of people and say it's like a spiritual thing or people lack morals or even worse, they'll like latch on to crazy conspiracy theories and say it's some kind of Zionist cabal or something. But I mean, we spent three episodes talking about this with QAnon because they cannot confront the contradictions of capitalism. So they have to latch on to conspiracy theories to explain the contradiction there. But go ahead, Jaron.
3: Oh, I've had nothing, but I. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's, you know, if I'm lactose intolerant, that's just like telling me to drink more milk and get over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, so let me get into. I want to talk about this thing that I wrote down for Ayn Rand real quick because I um, it came up with uh, with what Nina was saying. Yeah, boy, and I hate her so much. (laughs) I mean, she's like the penultimate, like anarcho-libertarian. So, oh, they her foundation also got a PPP loan last year. They did. Of course, they did.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Well, never never forget that.
2: Ayn Rand died in poverty and on government assistance. And so. they're, they're also trying to get out of
0: paying it. like They're like go, trying to jump through all these loopholes to basically say, oh, we don't actually have to pay it back, but they don't meet any of the criteria they're saying they meet. Anyway, long story short. Welfare
4: queen. What do they do? Do you know? What does the Ayn Rand Institute, like, institute even do? Probably just fucking
3: shame poor people. <laughs> so. it's like,
2: I mean, I wrote down There is the Cato Institute, the Mises Institute, the Heritage Foundation, American Enterprise Institute, um, PragerU and Turning Point. Like they all exist for the same reason. It's just to put out this right-wing propaganda. And I wrote up a little bit about why they even exist, but the short answer is that they exist literally to put out this propaganda to make working class right-wingers feel like they're in solidarity with billionaires and literally root (laughs) for their own oppression. That's That's the entire thing that they exist to do. But so going back again to the a bit about colonialism and slavery and the Native Americans in general, if you talk to an ANCAP libertarian, they will fall in the range of either regrettably supporting these things and saying that they were something that happened at the time and it was a different time back then. And, you know, we've moved past that as a civilization, but that's how this, this empire was built. And so therefore it's justified. Or they'll just lean it and just say that those were good things, like you were saying, you know, because they were uncivilized people and they forfeited their right to their property because they didn't develop it enough or because they have some kind of primitive bone in their brains or something that, like, makes them less of people and should be taken over by white people. It it, it always delves into some racist territory. They but.
0: didn't have God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they had too many gods, you know. Um. So okay, I took this from looking up Ayn Rand real quick. This is one of the first things that came up and it was so, I, I started reading, I was like, I have to include all of this because it's so perfect. But this is from Ayn Rand speaking about racism, slavery, and Native Americans at West Point in 1974. This is a transcript of her speech. Oh boy. Someone asked her basically like, what is your position on the genocide of Native Americans and slavery? And she says, to begin with, there is much more to America than the issue of racism. I do not believe that the issue of racism or even the persecution of a particular race is as important as the persecution of individuals, because when you deprive individuals of rights, if you deprive any small group, all individuals lose their rights. Therefore, look at this fundamentally. If you are concerned with minorities, the smallest minority on earth is an individual. If you do not respect individual rights, you will sacrifice or persecute all minorities, and then you get the same treatment given to a majority, which you can observe today in Soviet Russia. Oh, I know, right? Dude, she hits all the bases here. That's only paragraph one of like six. And when you, it's like she hits all the talking points that I'm still seeing today. And I'm like, this is where this all comes from. Okay. So she says, but if you ask me, well, now, should America have tolerated slavery? I would say certainly not. And why did they? Well, at the time of the Constitutional Convention, where the debates about the Constitution, the best theoreticians at the time wanted to abolish slavery right then and there. And they should have. The fact is that they compromised with other members of the debate and their compromise has caused this country a dreadful catastrophe, which had to happen, and that is the Civil War. You cannot have slavery existing in a country which proclaims the inalienable rights of man. If you believe in the rights and the institution of slavery, it's an enormous contradiction. It is to honor this country, which the haters of America never mention, that people died giving their lives in order to abolish slavery. There was that much strong philosophical feeling about it. Certainly, slavery was a contradiction. But before you criticize this country, remember that that is a remnant of the politics and the philosophies of Europe and the rest of the world. The black slaves were sold into slavery, in many cases, by other black tribes. Slavery is something which only the United States of America abolished. Historically, there was no such concept as the right of the individual. The United States is based on that concept, so that so long as men held to the American political philosophy, they had come to the point, even of a civil war, but of eliminating the contradiction with which they could not live, namely the institution of slavery. Incidentally, if you study history following America's example, slavery or serfdom was abolished in the whole civilized world during the nineteenth century. What abolished it? Not altruism, not any kind of collectivism, capitalism. The world of free trade could not coexist with slave labor. Mm. And countries like Russia <laughs> yeah, it's this whole hard. thing is gonna be like this like Oh my god. Um what abolished it? Not altruism, not any kind of collectivism, capitalism. The world of free trade could not coexist with slave labor. In countries like Russia, which was the most backward what? and had, which was the most backward and had serfs liberated them without any pressure from anyone by economic necessity, nobody could compete with America economically so long as they attempted to use slave labor. Now that was the liberating influence of America. That's in regard to the slavery of black people. But as to the example of Japanese people, you mean the labor camps in California? Well, that was certainly not put over by any sort of defender of capitalism or Americanism. That was done by the left. By the left wing progressive liberal Democrats of Franklin D. Roosevelt. And then it says she got massive oh, applause. Oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> massive a, applause. <laughs>
2: massive goodness. applause follows, along with a minute in which the moderator asks Ayn Rand to respond to the point about the genocide of Native Americans. She continued.
0: Oh, God. If that doesn't get Ben Shapiro's wife's pussy wet, then nothing
2: will. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's what I was like when I was reading this. It sounds like every single thing that every like Ben Shapiro stand in every turning point little like NPC. Well, just actually,
0: actually, if we're going to be accurate, uh, Mike, you should realize that that is a remnant of Europe and America actually did away from slavery. So if anything, it's American to not have slavery.
2: Very good point, sir. Very good point.
3: <laughs>
0: so yeah, there's
2: I'm,
3: a lot to unpack
2: here. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm
4: I'm I'm, I'm kind of confused about two things. First of all, did she say that America was the first country to abolish slavery?
2: Yeah, she actually makes it <laughs> seem like America was the only country to willingly abolish like slavery. That's like insanely
4: wrong. We're like, I think apart from, I don't know, like Brazil? Aren't we one of the old, like we're one of the oldest. I think we were
3: after all of Europe. Yeah, we are. We are the last yeah. Western country to do it. Yeah. Facts don't care we,
0: about your feelings. In <laughs> <thing. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or and about I'm, accuracy.
4: <laughs> I'm also very curious as to like how she thinks Russia like what does she think of Russian history when she talks about like the end of serfdom wasn't that the revolution that would be is the october just, revolution
2: and the yeah, 1917 she, revolution like is she
4: just pretending that that was like capitalism that ended serfdom but it was the revolution mm-hmm. I mean, yeah the, the, i it's i, it I mean all i not good to, until yeah. the
0: fucking bolsheviks and that one wizard showed up yeah yeah exactly
4: <laughs> yeah i mean like you don't want to be too you don't want to think these people are like complete idiots, but like this, this is wrong. She's just like openly lying about things or just doesn't know.
2: Well, that is the, that, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you get right to it because that is the biggest thing when you're talking to ANCAPs and right where in general. It's like you have to try to decipher like what they're ignorant about and what they're just being cynically dishonest <laughs> about. Yeah.
0: Which is challenging.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. Let me just continue here. Damn it. If you guys want me to pause at any point, I can pause because I know there is, like you said, Darren, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> um, so she goes on, if you study reliable history and not liberal racist newspapers, racism didn't exist in this country until the liberals brought it up. Racism what? in the name of. <laughs> Dude, Sorry. I'm telling you, this sounds exactly Sorry. like everybody the last eight years when Obama was in office saying, like, oh, Obama made this country so much more racist and like made race such a dividing <sighs> factor. It's like, no, it was always that way. Like, we just actually started to realize it once we actually had a black president but
0: Fucking anyway
2: hell. okay so sorry she says um until the liberals brought it up the racism in the sense of self-consciousness and separation about races yes slavery existed as a very evil institution and there certainly was prejudice against the minorities including the negroes after they were liberated but these prejudices were dying out under the pressure of free economics because racism in the prejudicial sense doesn't pay then if anyone wants to be a racist he suffers the workings of the system is against him Today, it is to everyone's advantage to form some kind of ethnic collective. The people who share your viewpoint from whose philosophy those catchphrases come are the ones who are institutionalizing racism today. What about the quotas in employment, the quotas in education? And I hope to God, so I am not religious, but just to express my feeling, that the Supreme Court will rule against those quotas. But if you can understand the vicious contradiction and the injustice of a state establishing racism by law, whether it's in favor of a minority or a majority, doesn't matter. It's more offensive when it's in the name of a minority because it can only be done in order to disarm and destroy the majority and the whole country. It can only create more racist divisions and more backlashes and racist feelings. If you are opposed to racism, you should support individualism. You cannot oppose racism on the one hand and want collectivism on the other. But now, as to the Indians, I don't even care to discuss the kind of alleged complaints that they have against this country. I do believe with serious scientific reasons, the worst kind of movie that you have probably seen, worst from the Indian viewpoint, to what they did to the white man,
4: well, excuse, excuse me, is she bringing Brack like phrenology? Is that what she's trying to do? And if I feel like I though, need to <laughs> take a shower.
0: This is hard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I'm just wondering God if she meant the damn. same movie or if that word was supposed to be motive and it was just a typo. But
0: maybe I should read Fountainhead just to see if I can get through it without like punching a child or something, <laughs> dude. I read Atlas
2: Shrugged, it's not worth it. You're really not oh missing out. Goodness. It's terrible, yeah. No, it's not very good. <sighs> Um, So she goes on, I do not think that they have any right to live in a country merely because they were born here and acted and lived like savages. Americans did not conquer that country. Whoever is making sounds there, I think is hissing. He is right. But please be consistent. You are racist if you object to that. And then laughter and applause at this line. You are that because you believe that anything can be given to man by his biological birth or for biological reasons. If you are born in a magnificent country, which you don't know what to do with, you believe that it is a property right. It is not.
0: So she's for genociding the Indians.
4: Yeah, I mean, to be clear, that was, I think that they got rid of it in like 2005, but the official Australian policy was like, terra Nolius was that like the land that they came upon was like either unpopulated or like not populated and being it used. It wasn't unpopulated, usefully.
0: I promise Yeah, you. <laughs> but
4: that's kind of what they, and, and I think, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of what like, is Israelis use as well to talk about like the like where they are correctly
0: yeah don't don't um, worry about trade treading yeah. lightly with Israelis here <laughs> yeah I,
4: <promise>. I mean <laughs> so like it's, it's just it's very interesting that like again these people's ideologies seem so dumb to us but like they're very popular
2: <laughs> yeah, well there's a lot of dumb people buddy yeah I mean I think what is that terra Nullis it must be Latin for is free real estate
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's really what we have to look forward to when the world starts like we lose Florida to the fucking ocean and we start having just incredible weather catastrophes and the rich people basically just take entire cities and push entire communities out and just say, hey, well, you really weren't doing much with it, were you?
1: I mean, there's just so much to unpack there in terms of, like, all the racism and, like, problematic things that were said. But I kind of just want to, like, ask a more foundational question about, like, why she is putting so much emphasis on, like, individualism. And I kind of just, like, want to know, like, why is freedom, like, so, like, important to these people? Because obviously freedom as this term is important to all of us. But to like ANCAPS, this like individual freedom seems to be like the most defining thing. And so if like Ayn Rand, you put on an island and the whole island belonged to her and there was no other person bothering her and she was all alone on the island, owning herself, owning everything on the island, like to her, that seems like in her conception, that's like perfect. but is that true freedom if you're on an island and like you're all alone and you just exist in this like space of negative freedoms of like not being bothered Yeah. because like i don't know like more i guess foundationally i think the reason why a lot of like leftists value freedom is because they feel like through interactions with other individuals and like relationships they build they can achieve a higher level of like individual development too and so i don't know just like I guess, like, foundationally, like more philosophically, I'm just curious, like, why? Yeah, who
0: hurt you, Ayn? Yeah, who <laughs> hurt? <laughs> that was just the big buzzword at that time. That was anti-communism. I mean, they basically, instead of saying capitalism back then, they tried to make a point to just say individualism as a stick in the eye to the USSR.
2: You let you go, Jaren. I will say, like, she gets like I have a couple more paragraphs just to wrap that up, and she gets into some of the absolute worst parts of it at the very end. Um, but you know what you're getting to is the distinction between negative and positive rights and we talk about that quite a bit on here is like you know true freedom would be the ability to not have to worry about where your next meal is coming from not have to worry about your housing not have to worry about your health care exactly and the amount of freedom that you could have in that kind of scenario i think far surpasses any freedom that we currently have which is to sell our labor for whatever we can get for it in yeah. the quote unquote free market to whoever really controls things because they have enough wealth and power to do so but go ahead jerry
3: yeah. uh this is answering Nuno's question, so s- sterling's right, like the entire Austrian school of economics, like three quarters of it, is reactionary to leftism and the u s s r and the rise of global communism like mid century yeah. but there's a specific term for it, which is uh methodological individualism, and the distilled version of that is these people believe that I think the term was groups don't think individuals think and They sort of place all of the blame for everything or uh, benefits for everything onto individual actions with complete disregard for groups. So to me, this is another point where they, they break from anarchism because there is a certain inertia or like murmuration behind decision making. Like, look at the yes men in a corporation. A CEO will surround themselves with somebody that will say yes to everything because that's their job. And the whole job is to aggrandize this person's ego. In any sort of hierarchical scenario, there is an inertia to it. Groups do think. Individuals do think. Both things happen. And the fact that the Austrian school and subsequently libertarians and anarcho-capitalists distilled this just bullshit out of it is ridiculous. Like, if, if groups didn't think, then Citizens United would not be a thing. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, the proof's in the pudding in the system that they like. Like, in Libertarian Utopia, we would get to keep Citizens United forever, right? If groups don't think, then why the fuck would we have something like that?
2: Well, not to mention that, again, it's completely contradictory because their entire philosophy rests on things like game theory and incentivization by economic policies and everything. So that's what they espouse. They espouse capitalism because they say that you can incentivize entire civilizations to do things, to be productive, to advance human society because they're incentivized to do so by the profit motive and by wanting to make money for themselves and better their own station individually. And so, again, that just completely goes against the idea of saying that groups don't think. It's like, well, then why even have an economic system to begin with? That's the point of what you were calling savages who lived in like the pre-economic and pre-industrialist times. But go ahead, Sterling.
0: I just wanted to echo one of the points Jaron was making that I, I think are super important here, and that's the fact that at that time, the communists were like putting out real literature and putting out real theories and putting out real material that people could look into and understand, and then people like Ayn Rand were doing the exact opposite. She was not creating capitalist or individualist theory. She was just finding a rebuttal to what the communists were saying. She was just trying to sow enough doubt within communist theory that people would allow the status quo to continue. And that's really the truth of so many of these right-wing figures. None of them really believe in anything. They just have a talent for attacking the ideas of the left enough to make people question, well, you know, what, what she's saying is enough for me to not mess with that over there. And that allows the status quo to continue. And the status quo, we all know what that actually is.
2: Go ahead, Ethan.
4: Yeah. Um, I also I think it I think it's very easy to pathologize people that you disagree with. However, I also think that it can't be underestimated. I think how much ANCAP just don't like people, don't believe in people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like, at least in my opinion, oftentimes if it's not born from like your material realities. Leptism kind of comes from, like, an inherent hope in, like, people. And I think that ANCAPs just don't just don't have that. Because, yeah, Nino's right. I think that Rand would be happy just being alone because she doesn't, she just doesn't like other people in that way. She, <laughs> she just doesn't think that they're, like, worth it. Um, and I, I think that there's this very dominant way of talking amongst ANCAPs where they act as though there's some, like, greater, I mean, race, <laughs> to Uh-oh. be honest, of people. Um, and that everyone who to like disagree with them is not just does not genetically measure up to them, and I think that just comes from a kind of hatred of like others <laughs> in that way.
2: Yeah, I would say you know, I mean, it's not news to us. Anybody who's listening to this probably will understand that extreme capitalist beliefs, obviously falling on the right, is definitely going to be rooted in colonialism and racism, and it it's not a coincidence that always falls back on that. And I do think it's also funny, like to touch on what Sterling was saying how you have these people who are the thought leaders of these movements and their talent is again it's not that they have a coherent ideology it's just that they're really good at debunking or what they think is debunking leftist views in a way that is catchy and sticks to other people but it's always funny to talk to their followers like to, to talk to the average people who are not the leaders of these movements and see what they say because they're not smart enough to propagandize the way that these leaders are So they just end up like taking the mask off and they say the quiet parts out loud. They just say like really racist and phrenologist kind of stupid shit. And it's funny because you can see, you know, that allows you to see the roots of all of it. Um, Did you have something, Jaron?
3: Yeah, just real quick, too. If anyone is interested in reading further on why natives were not, quote unquote, misusing their land before settlers came, there's a really great resource on that called An Indigenous People's History of the United States by Roxanne Ortiz. It's a a fucking solid book. Yeah, and it explains a lot about how native use of land was different than the European conceptualization of it, and it was like to say highly developed is an understatement.
2: Darren, are you telling me that right wingers have like a flawed understanding of history that only tells it from their point of view as white colonizers and settlers? <laughs>
3: hey, man, I'm just saying. You know, they weren't uh, they weren't trying to make anything out. They of it, you showed
0: know? up, and the Indians taught them how to grow corn and made room for them. <laughs> Right, build a
3: longer table. (laughs) Let me
2: let me just wrap up the last of what this Aaron Rand speech is because it's uh it gets spicy at the end. Uh, I'm trying to think of where I left off.
0: I'm trying to prepare for
2: this. (laughs) She says if you were okay, I'll just I'll probably repeat a little bit, but she says if you were born in a magnificent country which you don't know what to do with, you believe that it's a property right. It is not. And since the Indians did not have any property rights, they didn't have the concept of property, they didn't even have a settled Ah! society, they were predominantly nomadic tribes. They were a primitive tribal culture, if you want to call it that. If so, they didn't have any rights to the land, and there was no reason for anyone to grant them rights which they had not conceived and were not using. It would be wrong to attack any country which does not respect or try, for that matter, to respect individual rights, because if they do, you are an aggressor, and you are morally wrong to attack them. But if a country does not protect rights, if a given tribe is the slave of its own tribal chief, why should you respect the rights that they do not have? Or any country which has a dictatorship, the citizens still have the individual rights, but the country does not have any rights. Anyone has the right to invade it because rights are not recognized in this country and neither you nor a country nor anyone can have your cake and eat it too. In other words,
0: I fucking hate this bitch. Like I know no one would accuse me of anything otherwise, but hot damn, do I hate this woman?
2: I think this next sentence may be a typo, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, She says, in other words, want respect for the rights of Indians who incidentally, for most cases of the tribal history made agreements with the white man, and then when they had used up whichever they got through agreement of giving, selling certain territory, then came back and broke the agreement and attacked white settlements. Oh, my God. I know. Like that's. You're that's, really going to uh, you're really going to gaslight that. Uh, yeah, that's just not true. <laughs> you no, know, it was actually the Indians that, re, that renegotiated, you know, that backed out of all those uh, treaties that they made. I, I don't know if you realize that, Jaron. I think your concept of history is flawed if you thought that the U.S. government actually, you know, backed out of all those treaties and was the aggressor in that situation. Uh, she says, I will go further. Let's suppose they were all beautifully innocent savages, which they certainly were not. What was it that they were fighting for if they opposed white men on this continent? For their wish to continue a primitive existence, their right to keep part of the earth untouched, unused, and not even as property, which is to keep everybody out so that you will live practically like an animal, or maybe a few caves about. Any white person who brings the elements of civilization had their right to take over this continent. And it is great that some people did and discovered here what they couldn't do anywhere else in the world and what the Indians, if there are any racist Indians today, do not believe to this day. Respect for individual rights. I am incidentally in favor of Israel against the Arabs for the very same reason. There you have the same issue in reverse. (laughs) Whoa! There you have the same issue in reverse. Israel is not a good country politically. It's a mixed economy, leaning strongly to socialism. (laughs) But why do the Arabs resent it? Because That's it is a wedge like of sim- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Sharon's face right now. That's
3: so funny. <laughs> this is so bad.
2: Dude, this is why I included the entire thing. As long oh. as this is, I had to include all of it because it just gets better. And I mean, worse, but it gets better and better.
3: It's like oh. someone made this specifically to piss me off.
0: <laughs> yeah. I thought she
2: was going to dodge the Indian question. Like, the way it started
0: off... Like, it sounded no. like she, she was just, just leans gonna, in, dude. She, she goes, goes into that pull thing. mask off. Like, I can't believe they attacked the white man. They had it coming.
2: This is the last paragraph. And again, this is where she just pulls out all the stops going for Israel. So Israel is not a good country politically. It's a mixed economy, leaning strongly to socialism. But why do the Arabs resent it? Because it is a wedge of civilization, an industrial wedge, and part of a continent which is totally primitive and nomadic. Israel is being attacked for being civilized and being specifically a technological society. It's for that very reason that they should be supported, that they are morally right because they represent the progress of man's mind, just as the white settlers of America represented the progress of the mind, not centuries of brute stagnation and superstition. They represented the banner of the mind and they were in the right. And then it says thunderous applause after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so bad. It's so bad. I found out today and that was just that was the gem of all the stuff oh. that today. Go ahead, I'm, not,
3: I'm not saying that anyone should do anything about this, but I am saying that her grave is in Kensico Cemetery in New York.
2: <clears throat> Good to know. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard. But so it just kept getting worse and worse, right? Like not just me, like it was just, <laughs> it it just
0: God damn.
1: Wait, but if Israel is like a socialist country, and they are also the beacon of intelligence and civilization. Doesn't, <laughs> that, doesn't that mean socialism is the way to go? Well oh, no, so called the Yeah. the, person, yeah.
0: the of capitalism. brown people, but the yeah. socialism
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. That's your typical
2: anarchist or I mean ancap kind of thought, which is that all the good parts are the capitalist parts and all the bad parts are the socialist and black or indigenous people with color parts. Get it sorry.
4: I mean it really is quite tragic and obviously it couldn't work out this way but that like not only did we like wipe out a culture but like most people aren't even interested in like learning anything about it that like rand just talks so confidently and so incorrectly about like a whole group of peoples maybe up to like 75 million maybe more Mm -hmm. we're just gone and we and we will never know like as much about them and what they did here um and what we could like learn from them and so it just feels like a whole nother like genocide after the first one because like not only are all those people gone but like we just won't there's just no like acknowledgement that they were ever even here yeah
2: no i mean that's actually a really good point it would be one thing if like the descendants of settlers were saying look our ancestors came here and did this shit and it was really evil but we're gonna at least do our best to like learn what these people were about and at the very least, make some distinctions between all the different tribes and the different ways of life that they had. But then what people actually do is say, oh, I'm not responsible for that. So not only am I entitled to this land that I'm on as a descendant of a settler, because I didn't personally steal it from anybody, but also I'm going to confidently and ignorantly spout this like ridiculous bullshit, lumping them all together in some kind of ridiculously simplistic uh, worldview and attribute that to all of them. Uh, not to mention, you know, incredibly racist. But go ahead, Jerry
3: Just to show how ingrained this is, though, even aside from like the ANCAPs and libertarians and shit, you're about to lose your last liberal listener here. Um, RGB, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, used doctrine of discovery against the Oneida New York Indian tribe as recently as 2005 to uh, turn some of their tribal lands over to private influence. So, you
2: know, liberals
0: are still right fucking wing.
2: I'm hearing the unsubscribe button being hit right now. And I'm happy about it. <laughs> Good. Yeah, Go punched. away.
0: Yeah. It, I always tell people, I'm like, it's, it's fine to be wrong. Just don't be wrong with authority. Like, I'm wrong all the fucking time. But don't be wrong with the utmost authority like the other person is wrong. And that's like, people like Ayn Rand and other people like that, it blows my mind how they can talk such bullshit and falsities that they know is bullshit and falsities with just the utmost authority and superiority and that just it's crazy
1: yeah it's really funny their complaint is that oh the type of history that they talk about isn't like in any of the history books you learn in school because schools are full of marxist and everybody's (laughs) like (laughs) and they just want to espouse their like socialist agenda and it's just So ridiculous. Um, I mean, that's like the defense mechanism they use to like get to stop anyone from really verifying or questioning because they're like, oh, all those people questioning you. Well, they like are your enemies. So don't believe them.
2: I mean, that's actually something that I think about a lot is how effective the right is at pretending that they are the persecuted ones and that they are the oppressed class and saying that like all of education, all of media, all of government is Marxist or communist in some way. Just because it exists, and it's like it's obviously not the case. Like obviously, most people in this country have never learned the actual history of all the native tribes and like what was going on here before settlers came. But it's like they still effectively get that message out. And it's unrelated to this episode, but I do wonder sometimes. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, I think that that is some kind of. It's not even a conspiracy. It's just that that is the comfortable message in a capitalist society is to put out the right wing versions of history, the white versions of history. And so, of course, it's also going to to line up to let these right wingers paint themselves as the victims and say that history is actually being taught in a Marxist way in our curriculum, when it's obviously not.
0: It's really hard to be a leftist. It's honestly pretty goddamn easy to be a fucking conservative or a libertarian. Like, it's literally takes no real education. You just be like, hey, shit bad. Yeah, shit's actually pretty bad. It's those goddamn brown people over there. That's why shit's bad. Like, damn, man, fuck those people. Whereas the left, oh my god, when someone tells you shit bad and you're like, yeah, shit's pretty bad. Okay, one second. I got 15 books right here, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got to unlearn everything you learned and then oh relearn it again. Like,
0: it's, it's a lot of work, yeah.
2: I did have another thing that I kind of wanted to get into. I didn't really intend to get into the Ayn Rand stuff that early, but I guess it's not that early. We've been at it for like an hour or more now. But I um,
3: mean, that, that was a wild ride.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you liked <laughs> that it. it was,
3: that it was. That it was.
2: Um, so this is another thing I took from our website, just getting back to like the basics of why anarcho-capitalists are not anarchists. And so this is from a, a piece called, quote, anarcho-capitalism cannot be anarchist. And it's by Matthew E. Edens. And it's just a, a blog post that he made, but I thought it was really good. So I just cribbed it here in the notes. Again, stop me if you like. So he says, now an ANCAP may counter argue that capitalism is based on the voluntary exchange of goods and services. Therefore, capitalism is not inconsistent with anarchism. The fact that you can leave your workplace if your conditions are bad that you can choose to purchase a good or service means you are participating in a system predicated on freedom. There's a problem with both of these arguments. First, the idea that wage labor is voluntary is a normative economic one that deserves scrutiny. For example, what constitutes voluntary? And how is wage labor voluntary? If one has to sell their labor to a capitalist in order to survive, thus accept the conditions which are inherently exploitative, it is hard to see what is voluntary within this framework. Go ahead, Nina.
1: Yeah, I think the best analogy for what anarcho-capitalism is, is literally the game of monopoly. It's like everywhere you go, every little thing you land on is like private property. And you can't go anywhere without like hitting private property. And there's no quote unquote state. It's Mm. like literally the game of monopoly. It's just like pure capitalism. I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about a lot about like the contradictions within capitalism too but they just put so much faith into markets and their like main belief is that markets are efficient and fair and demand and all of that and if you actually look at capitalism capitalists don't want free markets because like if your actual motive is to make profit then the volatility of markets is detrimental like you want to control labor and so monopolies are like a natural conclusion of capitalism and without a state. And they kind of, all they do is just blame everything on the state, but everything under capitalism is okay. But I don't know, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me.
4: I'd be curious, um are ANCAPs like against monopolies or if they arise naturally, is it fine?
3: I don't know if they are. I think it's are.
1: fine They're if they arise naturally.
0: So they can't be against uh, Mon- monopolies. Yeah.
3: That's that's the thing, though, is like the biggest talking point that I've run into when I was dumb enough to try and debate these people, which I don't do (laughs) any longer. Yeah, no, you can't debate them. um, Is is like it's like none of these people have heard of a cartel of when private companies get together (laughs) and decide to fix prices and fix production output the same way a regulatory entity like a government would do. And they just assume that that's not going to happen in, you know, unfettered capitalism because everybody's fighting against each other. It's like, no, the only people fighting against each other are the workers and the owners. They're the ones that are fighting. A couple of owners can get together over lunch and be like, Hey dog, how much are you charging for that? I think I'll do that too so that we can never go below that price. <laughs> like there's still fucking collusion. And that's just something that like, they will not accept. They're like, no, the, the of responses that I've
2: heard to what would you do about monopolies or what would you do about like people who amass just massive amounts of wealth, like billionaires or trillionaires or whatever, when they use that wealth to exercise power and influence over other people in a capitalist system, they always just attribute it to government. They say that there wouldn't be monopolies if the government didn't enable that to happen, or there wouldn't be billionaires if the government wasn't constantly printing money. I actually had this argument from somebody on Instagram and I had to block him because he was just so fucking stupid. It was driving me nuts, but I'm like, <laughs> We've already, like, I I went over it like six times with the guy. I'm like, but that's not the case. Like, either wealth is zero sum, which, you know, in which case communists are right because you actually need to redistribute it and regulate it or else people are just going to starve while other people have mass amounts of wealth. Or it's not zero sum, in which case you can continue to create more and more wealth, but then it will still concentrate upwards because that's the nature of how capitalism works. Like, if you have more money, you're able to make more money more easily because you're able to buy more advertisements, you're able to put other companies out of business, you're able to do things with that money that equates to power and influence to so be able to make money faster. So the wealth will naturally concentrate into the smaller and smaller hands. And I said this and he's just like, well, no, that wouldn't happen if the government wasn't printing money and if the government wasn't able to knock And I'm like, but no, we just discussed, like we literally just discussed how that happens with or without regulation, with or without government. He's like, no, but it wouldn't happen. And what I realized is that they don't have the burden of having to argue about a reality because they still, even in their own philosophy, are not really imagining a reality where government doesn't exist because it's never happened. Like it's never once happened and it can't really happen and that's getting back to our last episode talking about having a system without any kind of hierarchy or state being a completely utopian fantasy um and how the the goal should just be to criticize and hold authority accountable when and wherever it exists but that's what it comes down to is that they don't actually have the burden of dealing with reality and material conditions because they're not materialists they're idealists go ahead sorry
4: yeah um I'd be very interested. I didn't come across anything like this, but I think that one of the major like, problems with being a leftist is that people want you to have all the answers. And that like, because leftism is one of the few like, ideologies out there that's not reactionary, um, like you do have the kind of benefit and burden of like creating the world. And ANCAPs want something different, so they say. But I've never seen like the ANCAP game plan <laughs> Really, I don't know how they guarantee that like anarcho-capitalism takes over from what we are currently, um, because it seems as though they're just very reactionary against like leftism and don't have a plan for anything. So I'm yeah. So I'm very curious how we like how all these monopolies now, how they think that it, that they're just going to go away, and is it ju- and if it's just that we dissolve the government. Would they be happy with like everyone who owns property now to continue to own it? Because that doesn't seem in the like spirit of anarcho-capitalism. But again, maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. But it feels as though if they if these people are true believers, they should have some type of like non-reactionary ideology. But I just couldn't find it (laughs)
2: anywhere. Let me continue with um that thing from uh Matthew Edens here. I think where I left off is said, if one has to sell their labor to a capitalist in order to survive thus accept the conditions which are inherently exploitative, it is hard to see what is voluntary within this framework. Voluntary presupposes viable options. For example, if one has a monopoly on the food supply and decides not to distribute food to anyone unless they enter a contract to work for the capitalist under conditions that the capitalist dictated, there is nothing voluntary about this because an individual has inhibited others from any viable option in declining the contract. The argument that one can just leave and work for someone else is flawed too. If workplace dictatorship is systemic, as it is, It follows that even if workers choose to leave one capitalist to work for another, they will face the same exploitative conditions. Moreover, if one argues that one can simply become a capitalist, this does not negate the permanent condition of the majority, and this does not negate that one will most likely have to engage in wage labor in order to get the money to start a business. Furthermore, the argument that the exchange of goods and services is voluntary does not accurately address the nature of these exchanges. If one is concerned about freedom and individual autonomy, the concern should not be whether exchanges are voluntary or not. Rather, the concern should be for whether the commodification of goods and services involuntarily prohibits large swaths of people from certain exchanges needed for self-autonomy, or even sustained human life. I wonder when ANCAPs make these arguments that they are envisioning someone who chooses to buy a video game or something. Anarchists are staunchly opposed to unjustified authority. ANCAPs and libertarians attempt to justify authority through private property rights. In Ethics of Liberty, Murray Rothbard describes the principle as, quote, Every man has an absolute right to the control and ownership of his own body and to unused land resources that he finds and transforms, end quote. Once again, leading ANCAP produces extremely complex questions about the way society functions to a simplistic, flimsy view of private poverty. To see why, consider the how Rothbard describes opposition to the state. Rothbard contends the state, quote, arrogates to itself a monopoly of force, of ultimate decision-making power over a given territorial area, unquote. He then notes that in a free society... Smith will have ultimate decision-making power over his own just property, Jones over his, etc. The issue here is that since Rothbard and ANCAP support unregulated capitalism with wage labor, landlords, and the employer-employee relationship described earlier, it follows that if Smith is a capitalist, then ANCAP support the ultimate decision-making power over his own property, the owner, but no power for the users of said property, such as workers or tenants. It can be concluded that the philosophy of anarcho-capitalism Is not anarchist, since it does not oppose hierarchy, authority, or even monarchy, as long as it is not the hierarchy of government. Some ANCAPs oppose the property ownership of the state because it was not acquired in a just manner. Even if one concedes this, one has to ask if there is a way to own private property justly, and if there has been a history of just acquisition of property among people. In other words, how does private property manifest itself without first limiting others' liberties? As Matt Swalinski explains, if I put a fence around a piece of land that had previously been open to all to use, claim it as my own, and announce to all that I will use violence against any who walk upon it without my consent, it would certainly appear as though I am the one initiating force, or at least the threat of force against others. If I am restricting their liberty to move about as they were once free to do, I am doing so by threatening them with physical violence unless they comply with my demand, and I am doing so not in response to any provocation on their part, but simply so that I might be better able to utilize the resources without their interference. Again, What's so funny about this insight is not just that it is a persuasive counterpoint to libertarianism, but rather that it seems to suggest that libertarian principles themselves forbid property ownership. If I therefore have a monopoly or even an oligopoly on the food supply, for example, then everyone should be expected to capitulate to my or one of the other proprietor's demands as an individual in order to survive. And anyone who tries to impede on my property or impose decision-making power over that which I have claimed as my own will be met with violence. This means that not only does anarcho-capitalism not have a problem with aggression or assaults on individual liberty, but that it supports unjustified hierarchy. After all, merely claiming land or resources that was once unowned as yours is not self-justifying. If others had the liberty to use the land or resources before and now have no power over said land or resources and have to subordinate themselves to individuals for survival, it is inherently illegitimate. This society will inevitably lead to an inequality of power, which anarchists oppose. I thought that was really well put the way he wrote that out. He wrote like a, like quite a bit more after that, but I thought that was the relevant part of what that guy wrote on his website. And it's like, I probably could have just read that passage and just, we could have been done with the episode, but that's what I guess is at the core of why anarcho-capitalists are not actually anarchists.
4: Yeah, I think it's important to also note that in this same kind of way of like our modern view of race, our modern view of property does kind of rise alongside the modern view of like the nation. Again, the ANCAP seem to view property as like an axiom of the universe. Um, but it's not it's not at all. Um and in fact, like the idea of what property is is like very mutable um even within like the modern world. Um yeah, so it's just very curious like how they define property so heavily. And then I guess it's just the benefit of pretending like it's say like the like natural order. They don't have to like talk about why they've defined it that way. It just is.
1: Yeah. And they act like demand just exists in a vacuum and that like demand is just a thing based on necessity instead of like realizing that what are markets if not interactions between individuals which is heavily determined by the context of like history or what are considered societal norms or for example how like advertisement literally affects all of our desires and like the decisions that get made like why didn't electric cars become a thing in like the 1930s when we had the technology for it you know like demand is not just a thing that is predicated only on necessity. It is definitely something that's like manufactured and it is manufactured in like a very purposefully kind of created environment. And I feel like that's another problem kind of with this whole like Darwinist view of like capitalism when people are like, oh, it's the survival of the fittest and like they're the strongest. And like, that's why they deserve all this capital and all this power. But like, The idea of survival of the fittest is that you are the best and you adapt the best to a certain environment. But that environment, again, is like determined by people. (laughs) And so if we just created like different external circumstances and different external stimulus, then like you would have different outcomes. And that seems to be like completely, I don't know, unacknowledged.
2: Well, they don't understand basic economics. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing about it, which is hilarious <laughs> because that's the yeah. first thing that ANCAPs and capitalists will say is that yeah. socialists and leftists don't understand basic economics, but they are displaying their own ignorance of it in mm-hmm. everything that they actually advocate, just like they don't yeah. understand history because like, like right there in that passage, he does a good job describing the process of enclosure. And if you ask ANCAPs, they will say that capitalism has always existed because it's just human nature. And as soon as the first caveman traded a rock for a piece of food or something, then that was capitalism. And what they're not understanding is that there actually were times when communal land was farmed and then with, people with enclosed it. the abundance
0: it. of rocks, there's no way a caveman traded a rock for a piece. Sorry, of seashell. <laughs> I meant seashell.
2: <laughs> um, but I mean, like, enclosure was a thing. Like, that's a good description of what it was actually like, but there was a time when people farmed communal land um, just collectively and they lived that way. And then it wasn't until, like, the lords decided they could just put fences around stuff and protect it with guys that they were paying and became... You know, warlords in essence that they started to create capitalism as we know it today. Uh, but go ahead, Jerry.
3: So I think it's important. I'm a huge history nerd. So like part of where all of this goes back to, in my opinion, is the the divide between John Jacques Rousseau and John Locke. And John Locke I uh, fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things this was a, a good critique. Slave this owner, is, by the way. Yeah, slave owner and, and just generally a cherry picker. But Mikhail Bakunin had a really good critique on John Locke's uh, three principles, which is life, liberty, and property. And uh, that was adapted eventually into the American canon by Thomas Jefferson. But anyway, with the three tenets, it's like, okay, if we are born, obviously we have life, clearly. Uh, If we are born, then hopefully we will have liberty, and that should be an intrinsic condition. But then... According to Bacon, in which I fully agree, property is one of these things that is only assured based upon privilege. So, you know, when, when you say that I am born with life, liberty, and property, what you're doing is actually assuming that if I have the privilege to get property by any sort of means, that it will remain mine. But it's not something that's actually assured on birth. You don't hand me a deed when I come out of the womb, do you? So like one of these things doesn't fucking fit.
2: And Unless you're rich, we, then you do get that deed when you're
3: Exactly, born. exactly. So it's only in place, that third one, is only in place to assure that the rich remain rich, and that's it. But then if you look at Rousseau, which was the counter argument more or less, and I don't agree with everything from Rousseau, but they were both discussing social contracts. Um, I just pulled up this quote that is regarding property, which I really like. The first man who, having fenced in a piece of land, said, this is mine, and found people naive enough to believe him. That man was the true founder of civil society. From how many crimes, wars, and murders, from how many horrors and misfortunes might not anyone have saved mankind by pulling up the stakes or filling up the ditch and crying to his fellows, mm-hmm. beware of listening to this impostor! You are undone if you once forget that the fruits of the earth belong to us all and the earth itself to no one. Wow. Yeah, I didn't good. know that he had that quote. Yeah, that's wonderful. Fucking that's a great quote. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, and I mean this, it's almost like tautological amongst leftists now, but I also think it's important to acknowledge that there's a difference between like trading for goods and capitalism. Because that's another thing that I think a lot of NCAPs want to talk about is that capitalism is natural because like markets are natural. But I don't think that markets are inherent to capitalism or vice versa. And I think that like, again, this is just so like capitalist realist. The idea that any base level economic interaction is capitalism is like very interesting. It's like a very interesting idea that I think is just taken for granted amongst a lot of more right-wing people, Um, but that's not the case. I think that in most economic ideologies, there's like an acknowledgement of some type of like personal property that you can give to other people and that they can get back to you and so yeah it's just it's just very like sneaky to pretend as though um like if you engage in like giving things to other people then you're doing capitalism because that's that's, that's just not true yeah yeah
1: and ethan i mean. Previously you were asking, oh, do ANcaps have like any type of game plan uh, with regards to anything uh, in terms of their ideology? And I have like a few things that I found on like what they believe like an anarcho-capitalist society would look like. and it's <laughs> it's pretty bananas. I mean, it's basically a lot of contracts and insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no such thing as a law. There's only one law, pretty much, which is the non-aggression principle. Whatever that means, by the way, because even that, there's like so many questions like, who owns the air? (laughs) You know, who owns language? Um, Can I speak? Am I allowed to like say things? (laughs) what if you have said the exact same sentence I have said? Is that like copyright infringement? I don't know. Like even just the way you define property is um, very complicated um, and not very well thought out. But beyond that, I mean, say you have a contract. Say you and I enter into a contract. I like rent a little room from you and I have to pay you rent. And then in this contract, we would declare like a body to arbitrate over like this contract if one of us broke the contract and we would both get to decide and choose this body and they would probably be insured because they wouldn't want people like suing them for unfairly being arbitrated and then everybody would have like life insurance and blah 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 and everything is just run through private arbitration companies insurance companies and like I don't know private police it's and like also they really like bundles they really like bundle deals (laughs) so everything is like a subscription service you can use a subscription service to you to like get um, access to certain road networks owned by a company or you it's like a subscription service to get protection by the police you know you bundle up different services different protections that you want everything yeah you're the insurance you have on your life everything everything you have access to like You just pay, (laughs) which is ridiculous. And they were talking about how like cars would have sensors that would like sense exactly which streets you're on for how long. And based on that, they would like charge you money.
4: (laughs) But like who would take care of
0: that system? It's, it's just companies like,
1: that own the streets.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Which it always goes back to, it's like, you know, with Tesla basically reinventing the fucking train. Cause ultimately they want their cars to fucking connect to each other and run electric. And I'm like, okay, well you just fucking created a train. Like this is literally what this whole anarcho capitalism thing is, is they just try to recreate socialism, but in a way they can profit off of it. It's like they literally, I'm just going to recreate how infrastructure works, but it still results in all of you fucking paying us money to run it, which is fucking taxes. Like they work so goddamn hard to invent the shit we figured out 2000 years ago.
3: Yeah. Good ahead, Also, this is a rare, rare comment from me, but y'all are going to love it. This is exactly why Elon Musk's hyperlink failed. And China has a fucking tram system. (laughs) This is why you give it to a fucking billionaire nonce motherfucker piece of shit that doesn't actually know how to do (laughs) anything. And you know, he he predictably duffs it and wastes a bunch of money and all of our time. And meanwhile, China's over here developing a completely interconnected rail system, which really we could probably use in the U S.
0: Yep. Yeah, Um, But instead
3: of (laughs) of Elon Musk just paying his goddamn taxes so we can do that, we all get to just get blue balls over the course of about a decade and get literally nothing from it.
2: Yeah, it goes back to ANCAPs and libertarians not understanding basic economics because you would think, like Sterling, you brought up the example of risk pooling not too long ago about insurance. And saying how, obviously, like when it comes to the case of healthcare or any kind of insurance, it makes more sense to have more people in the pool because then it becomes cheaper for everyone.
0: Exactly. But that applies
2: to everything, whether it's transportation, whether it's any kind of like any of those things that uh, Nina was saying would be subscription services. It's like, yeah, you could have roads and buildings and you know police and the enforcement of contract law all provided to you by subscription services that people voluntarily join into. But then you have these very small and fragmented groups that are you know, have whatever limited number of subscribers that they have, or you could have one big pool that actually has enough money to get these things done effectively and that isn't competing with each other. And then again, ties back to like how it works in the modern era where you have like countries that are socialists like China being able to make progress because they have like everyone working towards one common goal as opposed to here where we have multiple companies working on the exact same things in parallel and competing with each other, not sharing their knowledge so they're all making slow progress when they could just be working together and actually making some quick progress that way. I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense and it's annoying.
4: Yeah, yeah and I think, I don't know, we've kind of hinted at this. I don't think it's incredibly worthwhile or even possible to like debate an ANCAP on their own ideology because I think that they're just going to like change the topic. They're going to do what they can to like avoid arguing. And I also think that it's just, when it really comes down to it again, there's like basic tenets that people on the left accept that they just don't. But even more than that, I would be very interested um, to hear from an NCAP, like why the world that Nino just talked about is like a good world to live in. It doesn't sound fun. It sounds fucking Mm. terrible. Like all I want from my life is like good food and the chance to like create things and to work with other people and to like be in nature and they seem to just want to be like spent in arbitration and like reading fine print. And I, is like, is that really a world that's worth living in? It's, it seems weird that this is like a world that's worth working toward because it, it's, it's awful. It sounds fucking like awful and just draining. I, so I don't, I, I mean, at a more base level, because like obviously they're wrong, but also like, I just don't get why they even want what they want. I just don't get it.
2: I think you're going to get into something is that they just haven't thought these things through to their logical conclusions. Because like what you're describing is a world where it's let the buyer beware, but in all situations, all the time, like let Mm -hmm. the buyer beware whether the food they're buying is poison labeled as healthy food or let the buyer beware whether the factory next door to them is polluting everything around them and, you know, God forbid if they are, because then what are you going to do? Like as any kind of recompense against them, like if you have no power and influence, if you don't have enough money to do anything. And it's like, that sounds terrible. And then I guess the only, their only solution would be, well, then you hire firms that would then, you know, track the accountability of all these companies for you and just do all that stuff. It's like all of this just sucks. Like it just sucks wall to wall. Like it don't. <laughs> yeah. You
0: sorry. know what accountability sounds like to me? Regulation. Yeah, holy. Dude. You're reinventing the same goddamn shit. <laughs>
3: Also, you know, you would think that the current system that we have would actually be more preferable to these fuckheads because currently, you know, they privatize gains and socialize losses. So if a, if a factory pollutes too much, then the taxpayers usually have to deal with that on the back end.
2: Or nobody honestly, deals with
3: it. Honestly, yeah, this, no is, this is better
0: for them. You don't have slaves right now. That's what you're yeah, missing. I, I, oh, I think right,
4: I, right. Yeah, I think maybe when it really comes down to it is it's just like not racist enough. I oh. think that like the world that we're moving toward now is the kind of like liberal wet dream where we get to like watch people have awful lives and like know that it makes them better.
0: At least I think white that's people kind of are the like liberal
4: too. dream. Well, see, this is yeah. good.
3: I'm I'm learning here. This um,
4: yeah, and, and, and I think that like ANCAPs diverge from that because honestly, I think that ANCAPs to me sound more like liberals than almost anyone else. But it's huh. just that ANCAPs are like more race in that way. And like So I think that's probably where they diverge um, most heavily from, like, the world that we live in now, is that, like, white people aren't as on top as they were, like, even, like, 10 years ago. And they would like to kind of go back to that.
1: But I think it also goes back to what you were saying, Ethan, about the fact that they just don't like other people or humans in general. I mean, I was reading about like what they think a welfare state would be like and how it would be kind of run by private charities. And they pretty much said that, if there's no demand to help homeless people, then they deserve to die. (laughs) Because like, if there's demand, then there would be help. And then if there's no demand, well, like tough luck, then there's no demand. You know, what are you going to do? Those are just the markets. Um, And I think like and even just the way they approach, like, yeah, like you said, kind of it's pretty much a white supremacist ideology, but also the ways in which they like look at immigration um, as like stealing private property or like resources of a country even though immigration in the long run actually tends to add more wealth to a country like none of that actually matters i think what really matters is just that they're extremely hateful of like other people yes yeah, yeah. it's, it's not uh,
0: even about like adding the wealth it's just straight up eugenics like that is yeah. exactly what immigration yeah. policy does is it keeps people of color out so that it is a longer period of time before the white person actually loses voting control in a country it's just straight up fucking eugenics so and and to go even further so is fucking uh welfare reform like you yeah. literally if you take something and you call it economics but it affects people of color to a much larger degree statistically that's fucking eugenics you're a fucking nazi and that's the crazy thing here is like i just get sick of even calling people like and caps or conservatives and shit because at the end of the day if what you believe is literally fucking nazism then i'm sorry you can be a dumb nazi but you're still a fucking nazi to me
4: is it goldman or luxembourg with the quote that we have to choose between like socialism or barbarism it's like one or the other
0: yeah um, I think it was,
4: was it rosa luxembourg yeah i think it's luxembourg yeah, socialism um, to barbarism. Yeah, and that's like really what it comes down to. Yeah, is it like, I think that when the material conditions of the world get worse as they're going to, I think that these people are just going to like become Nazis <laughs> when it comes I mean,
2: to down to it. The libertarian to fascist pipeline is a real thing. Um, yeah. I want to wrap it up here, but how would you guys all feel about doing a part two since it seems like we could shit on these guys for another two hours easily?
0: <laughs> Especially if it's like, really heavy on Ann rand i mean we really should just do a whole Ann rand episode god damn <laughs> also, that got me heated
3: i can totally dunk on austrian economics like hard okay. all right so so we <laughs> yeah. didn't yeah. have
2: enough material to do a part two would you guys would you guys be available again to come Yeah, in? of course yeah
1: sure that's, i that's mean we could go literally quote by quote there was just so much like we could stop after every sentence <laughs> and be like this is well, fucked so, up ABC. i mean
2: I actually hesitated to even add more to the notes because I had put so much and then we didn't even get to um, Thomas Sowell. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to um, the origins. I wrote down a bit on the origins of the Gadsden flag, which is nice. um, a bit on the origins of libertarianism in America. And just to sort of preface it, like it basically started on the frontier with settlers who their idea of being left alone by the government was being allowed to just kill Native Americans wantonly. Um I actually it would be good if we did a part 2 because basically there, there was like a really good podcast episode and I'm just trying to find it where they <sighs> they went into depth on this but basically the way that it was done was the government would intentionally send these guys who were frontiersmen into places that were Native American territory they would allow them to encroach on their land and then when the Native Americans reacted as they should which was to you know kill them for encroaching or just like doing all the evil shit they were doing to the tribes then they would use that as justification to Take more land, say that these savages were attacking white people, and just, you know, do more crimes against humanity.
3: Yeah. So we were, talk a bit uh, about that. they like, called them rangers back in the yes, day. And that's yes. actually where scalping came from is the rangers. The rangers would scalp natives, not the other way around. Yeah, for the record.
2: And then we can also talk about Hans Hermann Hoppe. I don't know if you guys are familiar, <laughs> but he's a he's a strange guy. And another situation where he's very good at like couching his language of his racism and his like bigotry in some flowery language to make it seem, make it seem more acceptable, but his fans are not quite as clever. So they end up saying some really fucked up shit and interesting.
3: Oh God, this Thomas Sowell shit is just, that is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Oh that God. guy's great. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think it's
4: interesting how like quickly, like right wing people learn to not be quite so racist because you, <laughs> you, you like go back, not that far and they're very open about it and i I mean like we were talking about earlier i think that's what people mean when they talk about like losing the culture war and how the like right wing is like constantly victimized by themselves basically um and yeah i i I think it's that they used to be very openly racist and now they're not (laughs) and he's like a good yeah
0: David fucking Duke was still running for public office in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that long fucking gone. Like since we had a KKK grand fucking dragon, like, I mean, he was, he was in Congress in the eighties, but he was still running and trying to get in, in the nineties. And I mean, like literally going on fucking NBC and being introduced as a fucking KKK grand wizard and them just giving him fucking airtime.
2: Yeah. All right, well, let's, we'll leave it there and then, then we'll come back.
1: <laughs>
2: we'll come back uh some point in the coming week and we'll record part two. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and plug your podcast. Tell us just a little bit about it.
1: Hey, um, our podcast is called Left Shelf and we read fiction books or short stories and talk about the politics of them. So if you're interested in any of that, check us out. Uh, leftshelf.com or Left Shelf on anywhere you get your podcast. Cool. Ooh. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Jaron, you want to go ahead and plug your website? Sure. It's uh,
3: Jaron Perlman, J-A-R-O-N-P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N. You can purchase either one of my books there. And uh, I'm going to be partnering with Homeward Bound Asheville. Um, they are helping put uh, the Asheville homeless up. The Asheville city government's doing more fucked shit, trying to uh, you know make homeless people even more homeless for some reason. So, How do you uh, make
0: someone more homeless?
3: Uh, basically, they, they were they were camped out by the river, the French Broad River, and now the city decided they want to build a greenway because that's a better priority. Um, so they went in there and jacked up all the tents and uh, removed the homeless people from where they were being homeless to be homeless somewhere else. Anyway, all proceeds of my books go to an organization that helped try to stop that on a local level.
2: Yes, yeah, that's, that's fucking shitty. It makes me angry every time you describe it, but it's like, Oh, shit. I know I wish I could say I was surprised by that shit
3: it's just constant man and it's for the record I know this makes Asheville look like shit but for the record
2: this happens everywhere yeah everywhere yeah most people just not paying attention to it yeah uh, still you want to go ahead and plug the Twitter
0: Twitter I believe is turned left as pod right Yes, it is, buddy. Uh, I'll eventually remember.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're tweeting from him all the time.
0: Look, in in all fairness, I've been gone for like a month at this point. Uh, To our listeners, I've went through a career change and a move to another city. It has been a lot. And I had to do a bunch of, you know, fixing up to the house I was living in. Looks like my landlord is returning my deposit. So that fucking rules. Hell yeah. Uh, you can still eat shit, Randy. I'm sorry. You're, you're 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 still a fucking landlord. Like I'm I'm appreciative of my deposit because it's my goddamn money. So like I'm only so appreciative.
2: But right, You were gonna I'm say back. something about homelessness before I fucking in. Randy.
4: Yeah, no. I I just um just to say I yeah I agree. I think that again I don't want to shit on like liberals too much, but I really do because I'm not fan kind of liberals. Um. I think that the like liberal end goal is that like you eventually move the homeless so many times that you like move them to death. Yeah. Um, that they're not going to like outright kill homeless people, but if you just move them over and over and over and over again, like eventually they'll just be gone. Um, and cause that's what like LA does all the time. Yeah. Um, I know, I don't know if it's um, countywide yet, but you can't be in your car in LA. So there's just ways of getting rid of them by just like, criminalizing every aspect of where they live and honestly that's it's like the ANCAP like way it's just that if everything's private you just can't live anywhere if you don't own
3: anything
0: yeah as long as you outlaw the potential of creating a community you make it way easier to control them
3: you nailed it
2: yeah that actually reminds me we got to have jamie penn back on to talk about the situation out in echo park and uh, all the shit that Gavin Newsom is pulling out there because I constantly see pics of her getting like arrested at protests and shit <laughs> and just like all the direct acting that she's doing. She's Damn just fucking su- such a base comrade. Yeah. I know. Um, just to wrap up the plugs, a plug for Ward, W A R D L A W L E Y on Instagram and his backup, Lenin Leftist. And for Cosper, their Twitch is C O S P E R underscore. Check out their Twitch and hopefully they're still doing it. I know they're pretty busy with school at the moment, so it might not be happening right now. And then for everything else just check out the link tree that's link tree slash turn leftist patreon slash turn leftist uh we had intended to have premium content up already but just like sterling i got really busy with work and moving at the same time so maybe a little longer of a delay on that but it will happen sometime in the near future as soon as we can get caught up we were we were doing so well we were like a week ahead with episodes and it gave us ton, yeah. tons of time to edit and now we're like right on it so this actually this episode is probably going to be a little late It's Sunday night now and we're recording this. And usually we would release it Tuesday morning, but that's not going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. There's no way I'm getting this episode edited tomorrow night. So the this might be another is, Thursday released.
0: Turn left. This only fans is coming. Don't worry. Yeah,
3: buddy. Yeah. You get
0: some titties. Don't worry. <laughs>
3: I mean, me in a bathrobe reading Kropotkin. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I would actually like that. That'd be great. Right.
2: <laughs> All right. So that being said, does anybody else have anything they want to uh, plug or say? Cool. All right. Well, well, thank you guys so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, can't wait to have you guys back on again. This is a lot of fun. We would love to have you guys on anytime. This is great. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. For have listening. a great night. Take care. <laughs> See
1: you later.